Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial Outlander podcast on the internet, or anywhere. I'm your host, Joe. And I'm your host, Megan. And that intro was symbolic, because this week's episode is going to be a bit of a, of a flip compared to last week's. Compared to last week's, absolutely. And that's only a good thing, because we did not love last week's episode. I mean, it stunk. Let's just call it what it is. It was pretty bad. Um, but I really did enjoy this one, so I feel like I'm back in my Outlander game. Yeah, and uh, I mean, did I enjoy it? We'll find out. Yes, what? I did. Yeah, but, okay. Yeah. So we're here today to talk about episode 502, entitled Between Two Fires. And it's a cold open again. And it's an exciting cold open because it's our favorite kind of kind of cold open, which is a cold open with Murdy. Yeah, I love Murdy. I love cold opens. Uh, and it's the rebellion. He's leading the rebellion. And they're taking these English men who have been taxing the Scots who have been living in America. And they're destroying their homes. And then they're taking uh, hot tar mm-hmm. and just going ahead and pouring it right onto right on their skin. Yeah. And then adding some feathers to it. Tarring and feathering. They got tarred and feathered. Which uh, I believe I said to you, I've heard the term tarred and feathered before, but it's a little different when you actually see it happening. It's uh, it's pretty violent and cruel and kind of gross. It's awful. I read an interview with Matthew B. Roberts today, who is the official showrunner, yeah, as we know. And he was saying that the reason why they included that scene was because they were looking through old photographs of this time period in America, and there were people with scars from being tarred and feathered. So mm. he knew that that was something that was happening, and they incorporated it. And um, you immediately said, Murta is not that person. Yeah, no, I mean, Murtaugh in general, uh, I mean, they kind of brought it around a little bit towards the end of the episode, but I find it really, really interesting. We we talked about, a, I, I touched on it a little bit more as we watched it, that um, they're they're really painting Murtaugh in a different light this season. Uh, you, you know, I mean, Murtaugh was always patriotic and, you know, he wanted to fight for his country and his countrymen and that sort of thing. But this was interesting because um, they really painted Murtaugh and then later in the episode, the Scotsman in general, as really cruel and uh, vindictive rather than good people, you know, that were just, you know, getting the short end of the of the stick. Mm-hmm. Um, these were people that were, weren't out for, you know, to get their fair share or anything like that. These were people that were being, are being vicious and, and well they are there it. to get their yeah. fair share though and he essentially says as much because they say please have mercy on us and he said did you have mercy on the scots when you were calling them criminals because they couldn't pay your ridiculous taxes he he does try and say like you're this is happening to you because you did it to us i, I just, mean not the turn feather part right but. exactly i just feel like this is this is kind of like an eye for an eye next level. I just just feel like it's out of character for Murtaugh. He just doesn't seem like a cruel, like a person that would do a, like this is a Blackjack Randall play. That's what you said. You said, this is, this is what a bad guy does. That's torture. And then you paused and said, maybe they're trying to get us not to like Murtaugh so that when they kill him off, we won't be as sad. I kind of feel like that's maybe what's happening. I don't know. I think it was just, you know, he wasn't actually doing it. He was leading it. And I think he's trying to make the case known. Then you said that you really didn't care about the rebellion, which I thought was interesting because I know this is a huge element of the book. And I'll tell you, I care a lot more about it when it's led by by our Murdy than when it's randoms. Yeah, I mean, if it was led by a random, no one would care for sure. It's only I'm only interested in it because it is... Uh 
the Murtaugh storyline, mm-hmm. right? Like, so mm-hmm. that makes it interesting, but but it doesn't. Re- the rebellion itself doesn't really matter a whole bunch to me. Mm-hmm. Um, although you know we know how history plays out, mm-hmm. so uh, it does kind of matter. But yep. uh, but yeah, no, it doesn't really it doesn't really matter to me that much. Right. So then after we watch a very gory scene, mm-hmm. then we have the opening with the choir, which a lot of people don't like that new choir opening. Oh, really? I love it. I think I, this is probably sacrilegious, but I think I like it more than the original. <gasps> I think it's beautiful. Really? I like, yeah. I like the, some of the intro or the, yeah, the intro opening shots. Like I like the shots from behind, the shot of Jamie from behind and, and that kind of stuff. It, it so looks nice. Blackjack. Whoa. <laughs> This is a reverse episode. That's that's a Joe line there, boys and girls. Anyway, uh, I've corrupted you all. I love it. Yeah. You're so, all coming over to my side. And then it has the title shot, and it's Baking Bread and Flour. And I love the title shot. Yeah. And 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 I do want to give credit where credit is due, because I, I really enjoyed this episode, and it was written by Tony Graffia, who's my favorite. I love Tony Graffia. And Luke... Shell has. So I have criticized him in the past for some of his writing. Right. And this was a fairly Roger heavy episode. And I thought Roger was very well portrayed in this episode. I mean, this is what I think we, I touched on this in previous episodes too, but it's like when you're the way a TV show works, the showrunner or the executive producer, although it's listed as Ronald D. Moore, it's not, it's Mm -hmm. Matthew B. Roberts. Mm -hmm. Everything flows through them. So if you don't like the way something was written, it, it's not necessarily Luke Schnellhaus. Like, Luke Schnellhaus maybe wrote it or wrote the first few drafts, but it all filters through Matthew B. Roberts. So it's like, if you don't like the way something's written, Matthew B. Roberts signed off on it. It's not just like, it goes from like Luke Schnellhaus's iPad right to Sam Hewen. Like, there's there's a, so, so it's all. That's true. So it don't all, blame, don't blame him. Right. Well, I'm not. I mean, no. Like he, originally, those ideas came from him, and they suck. So yeah, you can blame him a well, little not, bit. But, the interpretation of right, the, story, the interpretation. Right? Yeah. But Adapted. but I'm just saying, you know, the there is a there is a a hierarchy. Right. For sure. You know. So right. so these are these are Matt B. Robert decisions. Well, hopefully, Matt B. Roberts said, you know, who's not horrible is Roger. Let's mm-hmm. lighten it up a little bit. So they did that in this episode. This episode. Tied with um, a couple episodes in season three when we were first introduced to Roger. But this episode was more representative of the Roger in the book, I would say. I don't know if anyone agrees with me on that, but this, I I thought he was pretty likable. How did you find Roger in this episode? Um, He was definitely, I mean, yeah, you know what? When I think about it, there was no moments in this episode where you saw that Mean, I've, like, like dark streak yeah. intentional or not that you i've seen in almost every other episode with roger yeah um yeah no it was all roger was pretty light yeah yeah so then we have brianna drawing Stephen bonnet yeah and really good drawer as it turns out yeah quite well so yes and then there's a horse and carriage they come barreling into claire's doctor's office and they need help immediately immediately mrs bug is there i know she's a very big character in the book the fiery cross i don't know who you're talking about mrs bug is just she was in that she was also the one that later on said to brianna she's going crazy she keeps baking bread and she's the housekeeper she's kind of the housekeeper so we see her for the first time um but this guy's wife did bloodletting and gave him mercury so yeah so that's a wrap on him yeah the dude was sick and and the wife 
gave him all these sort of uh, old-timey, you know, cures that basically just killed him faster. Right. Yeah. So then we just see Claire sadly saying, there's there's nothing more I can do. And we watch the wife cry and it's a little bit sad and there's silence. And then you just see Claire kind of standing off in the side. And you pointed out that this is where we should have had Claire's monologue kick in. Yeah, I, I really think the scene would have been stronger because the, the audience knows that something's going on. But um, these scenes in the first couple seasons, uh, you see them through the eyes of Claire, right? Mm-hmm. So she would have been like, uh, you know, this lady gave her husband this and this and she didn't know that that was going to kill him and there's nothing that I can do in this time. And, you know, that that sort of thing. And it would have, I think it would have made for a better scene. Now, I know she talks about that stuff later. To Brianna. To Brianna. But uh, I feel like you could have, the exposition would have been much more helpful in this scene. Yeah, I can see that. Plus it, it would tie it up a little bit closer to season one. Well, it would. And I, I just miss Claire's monologue in general. I do like, too. Like, I, I think it it's really missing from the show. Right. So then we have Jamie and a red coat, Lieutenant Knox. They yeah. They obviously formed a relationship. He's a guy. He is a guy. And he's a nice character addition. Yeah, he is. And he is, um, he's a nice character addition, but also his character is nice. <laughs> Um, mm, I would say complex. Well, but he's no blackjack, but he's also he's not an angel. No, but I mean they makes a fairly one, big mistake in this episode. You know, yeah, well, one of the first things, yes, he does. But one of the first things he does is he sees a family on the side of the road in need, and he tosses them some coins, mm-hmm. uh, which they then spit on and throw away. But mm-hmm. uh, but still, you know, whereas you know previously we've seen most red coats portrayed as having disdain for, uh, you know, non-British folk. Yeah. He definitely seems to have a compassion. I think so, too. I really like this actor. And he and, yeah. he and Jay Frey have good chemistry. They do have good chemistry, yeah. As Jamie tends to do with everyone on the show. More or less, yeah. Right. Except for Roger. I know. That's intentional. And Brianna. Though. It's impossible to have chemistry with That's Brianna. Fair. Fergus. He has great chemistry with Fergus. We'll get to Fergus in a bit. Okay. Yeah, you got some I have, Fergus bombs. You I have got some, some F-bombs to I have drop. some yeah. things to talk about about yeah. Fergus. Next scene, Claire is doing an autopsy on the man who passed away. Pretty graphic. You were really a little graphic. bit caught off guard, and you're rarely caught off guard by gore. You are also a little bit caught off guard by the tar and feathers. Yeah, it's just, um, I mean, it's not that they haven't shown, uh, you know, this sort of... Uh, PG kind of or or more kind of stuff on Outlander in the past, but I I feel like this show's been so neutered the mm-hmm. past couple seasons that Maybe. I'm not I'm not used to seeing like grown up stuff. Right. Um, Brianna comes in and she is gagging and woozy at the sight of blood, and that's yeah. significant. Well, this is this is not just blood. She's got like the her the chest cavity ripped open. Like it's yeah. pretty graphic. Yeah, you've never seen that before. But it's significant because Claire does need an assistant, and it it makes it pretty clear right away that it's not going to be Brianna. Yeah, she's not she's not the one. But then, and also Bree is like mama, and it freaks out because, and she's right that it's like if anyone sees that. They're going to think that uh, Claire's a witch, you know, like defiling bodies. and Like you didn't, I mean, maybe some people did at universities and that sort of thing back then. 
but people did just didn't randomly throw cadavers on their kitchen table and rip them open and start going through their guts like that would be end game yeah yeah that's true good yeah. point so brianna is like you cannot do this and claire you know is like, is like yeah, i'm claire me. and i watch do whatever me. the yeah. hell i want yeah <laughs> So then Claire walks out and she sees Marcelie mutilating an animal. Right. Perfect timing. Yeah, and it's almost like you could see, like it was just, all they needed was like to have a little graphic like ping thought bubble above <laughs> yeah. her head. Like it was so lingering of her like, like looking, I'm giving the microphone the eye like she was giving Marcelie, you can't see it. Uh, but, but that was, you know, like basically clubbing us over the head with the fact that she thought that Marcelie was in fact, you know, if you can mutilate a deer... You can you can help in an autopsy. That's Claire's. That's right. Then we have Jamie and Knox going in to see the prisoners who were captured after the tar and feather event. Yeah. Well, we they have a conversation with the men who were tar and feathered, and you can see he shows his scars. Jamie is very affected. Well, yeah, yeah. He and he he actually tells the guys like you know you will come to wear your scars with pride. The um, guy's not there yet. Yeah, he's not he's not feeling <laughs> he's that. He's like I've got actual all. goose feathers. Yeah. In my in, into my skin. in my bloody charred flesh, so Ugh. I'm not really not really wearing. Oh, this I can't pride. even imagine how you would clean that up. I, I can't, can't even. Yeah, the germaphobe in you is yes. just dying right now. Yeah, how did that? Not, you must get not, such horrible infections, right? And, and then They're die from them. Dirty. Probably. Yeah, yeah, I would imagine that's real, real bad. Um. So after that, they go and they see the three prisoners who were captured. The yeah. three scottish prisoners and jamie recognizes two of them well jamie makes it clear right off the bat he wants to talk to them first you know he tries to get uh lieutenant nice guy to leave yeah and lieutenant nice guy's having none of it Mm -hmm. and he should have because he ends up stabbing one of the guys in the stomach violently killing him yeah well they come out and and but they're jerks they're showing no remorse right like not even (laughs) you know but even beyond no remorse because even jamie's taken aback because there's the one guy who kind of reminds me of mcdew number two uh like the the stocky beardy guy Mm -hmm. and you know jamie's like i can't remember what he says but but basically stocky beardy doubles down and he's like you know i i do it again and i do it worse i can't remember what he says but jamie you can actually see is yeah i think he actually says like you you can't mean that yeah because this is a level of viciousness that he's not used to from his people like these are things that that back in the back in the home country these are things that like i was said about marta these are things that the bad guys would do you know so it's really yeah and you pointed out they really did a flip right like suddenly jamie's on the side of the redcoats and they're the people who seem sympathetic and rational and the scots seem like madmen yeah they seem like violent assholes and yeah like they're making out lieutenant Knox. Knox to be like a nice guy sympathetic character even when he like he does run uh the guy the guy through uh which is not good but um you know the he did he was pushing him and he, he spit in his face and you know lieutenant was very passionate and i'm not you know saying that that it, you it, do it, that I if someone's bad in say. your face but but i'm just saying you know it, it's not uh it's not like he just came in and was like i'm gonna kill you now and stab you know like the, the guy did provoke him he did provoke him and then jamie wigs push, out yeah wigs out pushes him against the wall and whispers you just killed a man without trial He's like, you're in trouble. That's yeah. bad. Yes. I know rules. And then immediately covers for him, which yeah. I think is, 
is I, that was one of the biggest parts of uh, of this episode, in my opinion, as far as Jamie's character goes. And the, the Scottish guys noticed it too, because as soon as the other people ran in, Jamie's like, oh, uh, good thing you defended yourself. You know, and, and yeah, he everyone did cover else knows for him immediately. So it's interesting. Jamie is the that's one of the things that I like about where this story is going is is this thing where Jamie's trying to play both sides, and mm-hmm. he's gonna get, but he's not trying to play both sides to as a double agent or something. He's legitimately trying to play both sides. Yeah, like <laughs> he like, sees their side, yeah, and he yeah. sees their side. <laughs> yeah, and he's he's basically the only side he has, from what I can tell, is his side. Yeah. And so he's trying to just be buddies with everybody. Yeah. You know, and I mean, that's going to, you're going to get burned. But uh, it's, I'm curious to see where it's going. It is interesting. Yeah. It is a really interesting storyline. Then we have Roger and Brianna and they're hunting in the forest. Brianna's trying to teach Roger how to shoot. And you said, because he's not doing well. No, right? He's not doing well at all. He can't shoot a tree. He can't shoot anything. And you said, is there a quota of emasculating scenes per episode for him? Like, are they trying to reach something? Because every scene with Roger is showing him... As incompetent. And it's like, in that scene... Okay, so Brandon's is teaching him how to shoot. And he goes and he takes the gun and he misses the turkey, the wild mm-hmm. turkey. And then the turkey's gobble gobble away. And if, if they're just trying to show, like, Roger's trying, then Brianna could have just been like... Oh, we'll keep trying. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? Like, mm-hmm. you'll get it eventually. But no, all of a sudden they have this moment, this like diehard moment where Brianna whips out her gun and just starts like blowing away turkeys like nobody's well, business. Well, you might not remember that that's her skill. Like, she's, she's a, a great, great shot. shot. For sure she's a great shot. And I'm not saying that she can't be a great shot. And I think it's awesome that she is a great shot. But the whole, in that dynamic, the whole takeaway from that is that Roger sucks at everything. Like every time he's yeah. with someone, yeah. they do it. It doesn't matter if it's shaving or shooting or <laughs> loft build plan. And, and it, yeah. like, it's just, yep. it's not about that scene. Isn't about Sophie or, uh, uh, Brianna is good with a gun. It's about Roger sucks with yep. a gun and everyone's better than, you know what I mean? Like, like it's just interesting that they, they took that as another opportunity to just kind of like show that Roger can't do a damn thing. Yeah. And these two have a really interesting conversation here, which is another reason why I like this episode is they talk about time traveling Mm -hmm. and she says, you want to go back? And he says, I really do. And you can see her. She wants to stay because of her family, but she also brings up, you know, well, he'll never get in a car accident. That's good. Right. Like she's rationalizing the pros and cons of 1970 versus 17. Where are they at? 1750 at this point, maybe. Yeah. I'm not, I'm kind of a little sketchy as to what year. Maybe we could get a time period at some point. That's a good point because I was thinking about that a couple times in this episode and the one before actually, that we don't know how much time has passed. Like it's really dependent on the baby. Jimmy. I guess, yeah. But also, they lean... I mean, obviously, the book reader is their bread and butter here. And the book reader knows exactly what hour of that day it is, I'm sure. Oh, I'm sure. But it's. But I don't. And no. I mean, I know you cater to your book reader because they're your bread and butter. But throw me a bone here, yeah, people. Yeah, like, because you me, do a podcast on the show. I do. And you need information. <laughs> like, just give me a year. Just throw... Even at the very beginning of the very first episode of the very first season... You know, of spring, five. 20, right. yeah, yep. seventeen eighty-five, whatever. Like, just, just because at this point, there's been so much stuff that's happening, happened 
since the last thing that we can actually put a date on, which I think is the Battle of Culloden, mm -hmm. is the last, and I, I could be wrong there, but uh, of the last like real historical thing that happened, you know, that, that I could go back and be like, okay, well, that was this thing. You know, they, they haven't touched on Yeah, we on could it. do the math, actually, because that was 1745 or 1743. So then 20 years from then, it's 1763, 65. And then Claire and Jamie have been together for, have been reunited for at least three years. That's so what is I mean. that like 17, it's the late. 1760s? No, but I feel like we're wrong because Claire and Jamie die in a fire in 17-something-something something, and you can only see the one... I think they're in the 1750s. Maybe. I mean, just tell us. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. like it would be... Like, why do we have to do the weird math? We shouldn't. Like, just tell, just tell us what year it is. It's not yeah. that hard. Or, or even... You don't even need a timestamp. You know, just, just throw it in a conversation. Or show you know it what? in a document. Hey, mama, this is 1792. We can't do that here. You nice, know, like just nicely just, acted. Thank that, you. It, thank did, you. Was that a clip of? Uh, that was. That was an actual. I just rolled that back. Yeah, that was and a, they didn't. And that they was didn't a cut use scene. That, that a, they should have. Yeah, that hit the cutting room floor. I played it. It's an Outlander or Loinlander exclusive. Okay. The next scene is Jamie and Knox, and they're sitting in a pub. Knox feels awful, so they're yeah. showing remorse. And you said. Oh, and Knox, and Knox describes himself as, quote, he says, I'm a hypocrite, close quote. So he's having real feelings. This, this is, is what a red I mean. coat who's really struggling internally with what's happened. And that's when you, you had two comments. Number one, Jamie's hair is so much better this season. Got good hair. And number two, that's when we started talking about how the show has done a complete flip. Because we're sitting there looking at Jamie, comforting a red coat who right. just feels so awful, like a hypocrite who killed a Scott, and Jamie's like, they're there. He really had it coming. Like, yeah, that's what else basically were we supposed to do? Said. Those darn Scots are so yeah. pesky. Like, I know. That's, you know, they. It's, it's a real flip for Jamie and a real flip for the show, you know, just in the way that they portray uh, the, the British and the Scottish. Yep. And then we have a, we have that man's funeral, and yeah. Roger is standing above the coffin and he's singing, which I thought was a nice touch. No one comes in and sings better. No. Nope. So that's nice. Oh, for good him. point. Yeah. Good point. Yeah. And then after the funeral, mm -hmm. Claire says, and I actually saw someone uh, wrote this on Twitter. She says, "Fergus, can you watch the children?" And apparently, that is the first direct thing that Claire has said to Fergus since season three. Wow. Claire also does not like Fergus. And Fergus responds, of course. And those are the only two words he's had all season. Yeah. He's a pretty big character. Apparently not anymore. So I don't know best, if he did me. something. I don't know if he did something to piss the writers off or what happened, but they obviously love Marsali. Yeah. Because they've now made it so that she... I know you love this kid, but he's not a good actor. Also that I love him. I just don't think he's bad. No, I think they've... And I they, think we know that just because someone's a bad actor does not mean that they get less screen time yeah. on this show. Roger. I think... Don't what? even. Sorry. Richard Rankin is phenomenal. Hmm. Claire and Marsley talk about autopsies. Yeah, yeah. She shows Marsley what she's doing and right. gives her her that, rationale. I like how Marsley's like, wait, was my mom right? Yeah. Are you a witch? Are you a witch? Yep. Um, and then we have we go back to Jamie. So there's a lot of cut cutting back and forth mm -hmm, in this yeah. episode, which is maybe one of the reasons why it was quite exciting yeah. to watch. And you said, "Ooh, it's action, Jay Frey!" And he goes back yeah. into the jail and he releases the Scots. So sorry, just to go back to the Marsley thing for a sec, because mm -hmm. does she 
did she actually accept the job at there or does that do they do they go back and forth well claire's just really trying to convince her right. and you can see her being won over but I mean, she obviously. doesn't say okay i will do this i will do it so yeah action jay frey action jay frey so this is again jay frey playing both sides yeah he, he goes he around. releases them he wants to save as many people as possible and then that's when you kind of groaned and said, why does Jay Frey always insist on being on the wrong side of history, even though he knows it's not going to work out? Yeah. Like. Valid question. I anyone, don't... anyone have an answer? Anyone? Yeah. I mean, I'm sure it's explained in the books. I don't know. And then speaking of frustration, the next scene is Claire watching a bunch of women make candles. And I, I liked this scene a lot. I like how they're all making candles and it shows how they do it. I also like that all the women were wearing bonnets and that's something in the book that that Jamie like he understands that she won't but he's like it would really make you kind of blend in more if you would wear it because all women at the time wear yeah, bonnets. Yeah you made a point of pointing this out to me but Brianna doesn't wear a bonnet either. Oh yeah. Yeah. Well that's because they're from the future. Right. So meanwhile she's listening and she's frustrated because they're talking about all the different ways that people cure ailments during this time period. Yeah, because doesn't one of the bonnet ladies, mm -hmm. uh, she's like, oh, yeah, we gave him this thing that the king of England, you know. Yeah, I, king, if it's good enough king, for the king, it's good right. enough for me. And Claire's like, no, that's poison. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then we have Knox and Jamie, and they decide they need more men, which is, it's a, it's a sombering moment. Right. Because Jamie said, well, I have men. And Knox is like, I saw the men that you collected at your daughter's yeah. wedding, and that's not nearly enough. Yeah, like, there's like nine of them. One only has one hand, and the other one can't even shave. Right. <laughs> so, yeah, you're you're in trouble. Well, and the prisoners said as much, too. When Jamie released them, they basically alluded to the fact that there are way more guys on their side. So look out, Jay Frey. Yeah. Then we're back with Claire, and she's testing Roger's eyes. Yeah. And this is probably my favorite scene of the episode. Oh, really? If, if I had to pick and spoil it before the end of the podcast, I would say that this scene is my favorite. Right. Because Katrina Balfe acts very well against Rick Rankin. The two of them do have good chemistry. You can sense their friendship. Yeah. You can sense that these two have been through a lot together. Mm -hmm. And they bounce off, off each other really well. Yeah. Well, they've known each other since 1950. They have. Or 50s. Yeah. Yeah. A long time. A long They've been time. to Scotland together. They've been to Boston together. They've had... They were in the Mohawk Village together. She rescued That's him. Right. They've had wee nips. They have. Yeah, danced. And um, something... There's a moment where she catches him off guard because she says, you know, I, I really do love having you guys here, but I want you to go back. Right. And well, he, you can see the look on his face. He's taken, he's taken aback. Yeah. He's like, someone actually agrees with me. Yeah. Yeah. And and she does. She says it's dangerous here. Jemmy could scrape his knee and get an, effect, an infection. I have no antibiotics. Go. Yeah. Go back. But he points out, we don't know if he can hear those stones. Yeah. And she, and then she said that could be... I. This part I didn't get where she was like, that could be tomorrow. It could be a year from now. Well, I think she's saying, like, keep it in mind. Yeah, I guess. Now, one of our Loinlander um, listeners... Yeah, I was going to bring this up. Yeah. ...pointed out that in the book, Claire diagnoses Roger with some sort of eye condition. I can't remember what it is. Uh, I think... I can't remember either. But Sorry. In this, uh, but I in think it's episode, binocular. Like, basically implying that he's farsighted. Right. Right? But in the episode, they just kind of brush off... Brush yeah. it off as, well, you just can't, you can't shoot. Right. Whereas, yeah, in the book, that's an explanation as to why Roger's such a, sh a bad shot. So, again, like, they had 
a chance to redeem Roger a little bit and give him, you know, a reason. But yeah. no, they're just like, oh, your eyes are pretty much fine. You just suck. Yeah. You know, like, <laughs> it, it's, I don't get it. I don't really either, but I did find him likable in this scene. You? Yeah, I mean, again, the the things that I don't like about Roger is when you see that dark streak. Yeah. Which that, may or may not yeah. be Richard Rankin himself. I don't know. But mm-hmm. the but he... I think it might be. Yeah. I don't know. Then we have those two escaped, or not escaped, but the two prisoners that Jamie released. Right. And they meet up with Murta and another book character called Mr. Husband. Murta, Duncan LaCroix, does a great American accent, by the way. Because yeah, he, he pretends does. to be yeah, American. He does. I had no idea who it was. Now, I don't even know if that maybe it was a different person off camera, but it's supposed to be him mm-hmm. doing an American accent to fool them. Yeah. Uh, it's great. And Mr. Husband has the weirdest delivery of lines. And also it, a weird accent, too. Is he American? I'm Is not he sure. Scottish? I'm not sure. Weird I don't looking know. dude. Yeah, he's got a weird cadence. Yeah. And then it, it's a very strange cadence. Yeah. And then they show sort of their hideout, like where their camp is. Right. But if if anyone can just go back and watch the scene where they show a branch, but the branch clearly has some sort of light shining on it, like yeah. an electrical light shining it, on yeah, it. It's, it's really bizarre. It's like, distracting. The light's coming from the wrong direction. I don't know if it's a, a sound stage and it's just poorly, weirdly lit or, or what, but yeah, it's, it's bizarre. Like it yeah. makes it look fake. But you know what? That's our biggest complaint of the episode. It really is. That's huge. Yeah. Then we have Claire trying to make penicillin. I love this. I did too. This is classic Claire. This She's is like, classic. I am basically like, God. God damn I can it. make penicillin. This is happening. I'm a yeah. doctor. That's right. And she's really determined while she's doing it. Yeah. Like she's not even looking up. No, yeah, she's she's got like about nine thousand loaves of bread, mm-hmm. and she's gonna make penicillin. And she said, if the bread it. doesn't work, I'll find some other mold that's the right strain. And this is yeah. this is happening for me. Yeah, yeah, and. You know, Brianna points out that it's not invented for 157 right. years. She expresses concern. And oh, see, there's a there's an interesting. Mm-hmm. We could do the back math of penicillin and find out what year it is. Mm-hmm. Oh, there you go. If we wanted to look that up. If we want to be tricky. Yeah. Yeah. yeah we don't. So uh, when Brianna says that, though, you immediately said Claire does not care about paradoxes. Claire gives no shits about paradoxes. But at then all. they actually get into the conversation about it, and Claire points out. You know, you're so worried that what I'm doing is going to affect the future. You shouldn't even be standing here. If I hadn't come back in time, I wouldn't have had you to begin with. Yeah, this show has never given any true thought to, you know, the quote unquote science fiction ramifications of time travel one way or the other like it's yeah it's basically well this is the first this is this episode they actually deal with it the most right because roger roger and brianna talk about back and forth and then claire brings up the fact that she says some comment about you know jamie wouldn't even be here in america if it wasn't for me which is true and and him being here has affected many lives yeah i mean it's i don't know if it's ever touched on in the book but They've never shown, because we've now gone to the future and the past and we've seen, um, you know, people that go into the past and that and that sort of thing. And there's never any actual ramifications in any way of people going to the past. No. You know, so uh, I, I don't know if it's just inconvenient for they talked Diana about it, to write that stuff. Yeah, or they what? talked about it briefly in season two. Remember when Claire didn't want jamie to kill blackjack for another year because she wanted frank to be born this is before she realized that frank was actually the son of his brother alex right right and jamie's like are you kidding and she's like no wait one more year if you kill him frank will never be born 
Yeah, it, it's... So they've kind of talked about it a little bit before, but not to the extent that they do in this episode. And in that interview that I read with Matthew B. Roberts, he said he finds this stuff fascinating, so it's going to be more incorporated in this season and in future seasons, which I'm, I like. I kind of like that too. I mean, as someone that definitely way more skews more to the science fiction part of the show rather than the shirtless Harlequin romance side of the show. Mm -hmm. Like, that's the kind of stuff that's always kind of bugged me that that it's just sort of like, and we traveled in time and it was cool, the end. Like, like there should mm -hmm. be, like, serious ramifications here yep. for a lot of the things that have happened. Yeah. And... So then we have Roger singing to Jemmy, and he's singing that Jeremiah was a bullfrog song. Great song. I love that song. It's a good song. Yeah. And, and he... I like, I really like when they do things like that, because you realize how um, sort of contemporary Roger and Brienne are. Like, that song I'm familiar with. I've sung, yeah. right? Like, they really were from the future. Yeah, and, and uh, they did a great job. I, I like the, the rendition of the song. Mm -hmm. He's trying to play it for... Uh, the little kid there and Jemmy, Jemmy, Jeremiah, Jeremiah, Jeremiah's not really feeling it, but Jem. uh, JJ, uh, not really feeling it, but but uh, Brianna's into it, yeah. And she says, You're a good dad. And then he takes the laundry and he takes it inside, knocks over a picture of Stephen Bonnet. Uh, Brianna calls him like a bunch of pictures of Stephen Bonnet, yeah. She's obsessed, which yeah. fair enough, yeah. Brianna calls him, and I will say that I thought these lines were so well delivered. And and this whole scene with Sophie Skelton walking with the baby and how she was kind of giggling and the way she says, look at our baby walking. She's right. kind of laughing while she says it, and she sounds so proud. And I believed what she said there. Oh, my goodness. Yep. Well, so if she's um, pretending to give birth, if she's running, or if she's walking with a baby and delighted... I buy what she sells. So running or interacting with children in some way. Either or delivering. Bir birthing yeah. or, oh, exactly. or walking yes. with. Yep. Well, this was an opportunity for um, Richard Rankin to bring his dark streak in. And he didn't. And he, he smiled. And, yeah, they brought it back out. No, he, that baby is his. Like, no matter yeah. the circumstances, that Jemmy is Rogers. Okay. And I, he loves him. And it just dawned on me the relevance of singing Jeremiah was a bull. Like, it, it, I got it now. Why? What's the relevance? Share share with everyone else. Well, the kid's name's Jeremiah. Oh! <laughs> so, so it makes... I, I didn't really... Oh, I was like, what's the meaning behind yeah. that song? No. Is it about someone and they didn't know the their true father? What happened? <laughs> no, just a silly name. Right. Uh, yeah. Then the next scene is quite surprising. It's too women having a fist fight oh yeah it's barmaid mma as you described yeah it. that was really this again like really matthew b roberts idea i, I he mean he said they were trying to figure out what kind of fight he would be watching would it be a cock fight would it be a dog fight would it be a bear fight and then they looked into it and apparently they were i mean usually prostitutes fighting for territory but there were barmaid fist fights it was vulgar and disgusting as we saw but yeah. that was happening and and I guess he figured that Stephen Bonnet would be into that. He'd be there. I could see that for sure. But yeah. a lot of people were. Like, there was the dude, the Hobbit guy. Who wanted to marry Brianna yeah, and Joe Castas. right in there. Sure was. And it was violent. There was face smashing and oh, squishing. Yeah. Real, and... Well, like, at the end of it, like, the I don't even know if you watched the last part of it where she's, like, it looked like Fight Club. No, I didn't. I didn't. Yeah. Most certainly it was did like not. Blood and stuff. No, everywhere. there was a few scenes in this episode, include like the first one, the tar and feather, and then the smashing face one. Yeah. And then the next scene, 
well, I guess it's the same scene, but the next moment where uh, Stephen Vonnick gets offended and he challenges the guy to a duel, and yeah. rather than just killing him or, you know, slicing he beats open him his... very handily, but then... Yeah. yeah, then he goes, and I closed my eyes, so I don't want to know exactly what he did, but I think he cut his head open? And he blinded the guy. Well, and probably killed him. No, he didn't kill him, because the... Th- this is... That's the key to the thing, is... The guy, I don't know, we're supposed to know who, who that guy is that he's talking to? The no. official guy that introduced him to the Hobbit? Because um, the guy says to him, why didn't you just kill him if you're going to do that? And he, that's his big line at the end. He's like, well, I have to... Uh, Set a better example I'm, now. I'm a father now. Because I'm a father. Yeah. yeah. Dun, dun, dun. And he goes dun, out. Uh... Fade to black. And we loved that, right? Oh, we have yeah. a villain. That's bad. That's bad news because Roger and Brianna and Jemmy are all walking and talking yeah. and singing. And we have this guy who just took a knife and scraped it right across yeah. another person's head saying, no, that's my baby. Yeah. No, Bonnet is a super cliche, over-the-top villain, and I'm here for it. Yeah. I'm ready. For, like, bring it on. I want I want that in mm-hmm. this show. Mm-hmm. Like, I think... Uh, I think that's what this show needs. I think so, too. I think so, too. Okay, what would you give this episode out of 100? 75. No! You know what? This was one of the better um, episodes I've ever seen in the sense that it was not an Outlander episode. I don't think that Outlander fan, in quotes, liked this episode, I would bet. There was, there was a few complaints about it. They didn't like that there were no Jamie and Claire scenes. Right. There certainly wasn't any sex scenes. No, there was no love scenes, There's really. no love scenes. It was pretty plot-heavy and character-driven. Yeah. It was actually plot and character, which is not Outlander's territory. I mean, it used to be a little bit of both. That's, that's yeah. the magical formula that the first season had. Yes, I'll give you that, for sure. But, but they've been struggling to find it. They've lo- they had lost it, but... Well, they still have, because this episode was wonderful, but it didn't have the magical formula. It didn't have both love and plot and yeah. sci-fi. It didn't have it all. But it was a very, very strong episode. Yeah, they're actually telling a story. Which they sure are. They, they weren't really before. It was just like Little Boring on the Prairie. Mm-hmm. And now there's actually things happening. You're going after Murta, who now is suddenly a bad guy. You've introduced this sympathetic British character who I like, but definitely uh, throws a wrench into the mix because now you've got Jamie playing both sides, so there's drama with Jamie. You've got a nice plot with um, Claire where she's trying to become like uh, old-timey surgeon. Like she's, yeah. she's trying to end, like, like I said, like paradox be damned. Like she's going to, if she can figure out how to cure cancer before the Civil War, she's going to do it, yeah. you know, uh, or the revolution. Uh, you know, when you've got... Uh, now you got Brianna and Roger being torn about going back to the future, which is legit. But also, we're gonna have Stephen Bonnet coming in there, and he's a great big douche. And uh, but no, and there's ent- lots of exciting stuff. Dish. Yeah, there's actually shit happening. Yeah, what more yeah. happened in this episode than all last season? So you would give it seventy five. I'm gonna say seventy five after that recap of all of the events from the show. Oh, so we're we expecting a higher grade? No, it's still like. Okay, so I would Come give on. it 80. I would give it 80. Which is low for you. No, it's not that low. I gave the last episode 15. I so think, 80 yeah, that's is true. good. It's a big bounce back. 80 but it, is really good. But I mean, before, I feel like in there season... There are certain like, things that didn't... I look for. I, I, am a, I am a true Outlander fan in terms of like, yes, I appreciated the quality of this episode, but I like a little love in oh, my... Little... 
I, I mean, I just like nice moments. It doesn't need yeah. to be like naked Claire and Jamie like dry humping together right. for no reason. But I wouldn't mind like a sweet moment between them maybe. Or I don't know. Like I actually really liked Roger and Brianna together before they time traveled and Roger became like possessive and crazy. And um, and this isn't this isn't an episode of Outlander that, you know, if I can't sleep in the middle of the night, I come down and cozy up on the couch and watch, which is one of the things that gives Outlander episodes high grades for me. But yeah, it's a solid, solid episode. Yeah. What would you say is your favorite scene? My favorite scene... Um, my favorite scene was probably... I think it was the one in the, the jail where the guy oh, runs yeah. him through. Yeah. It was just a really interesting Jamie scene because he wasn't really like a key member of the scene, but it was a huge scene for his character. Mm -hmm. Like, and showing the direction that that character is going. Yeah. And I think Sam Hewen played it well. Yeah, I do too. So I already said my favorite scene was between Roger and Claire. But one of the things that I didn't mention is I really liked when Claire was talking to Marcely and Marcely said, who did you just bury? And she said, it was rocks. Roger helped me put the rocks in. Right. And I just like that. Like Roger and Claire have a relationship. Roger right. put a bunch of rocks into a coffin and then stood over yeah. it and sung to the family yeah. because Claire asked him to. Well, and then said that, and she's like, and Roger will, we'll sew him up and bury him again. Roger will bury him. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Like I like yeah. that. Right. Those are yeah. nice character beats for Roger, which we need. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It would have been, maybe we could have seen that actually, instead of just having it. Yeah. The been two alluded of them. To. Yeah. yeah. Like yeah. a nice little buddy buddy cop moment yeah i would have liked to have seen that what was your least favorite scene um i mean the roger shooting scene mm. it's not i don't mm -hmm, get it mm -hmm. it's unnecessary like they didn't even need it in the show like we've already established that he can't shoot like why and then that combined with the with the eye test where claire basically gives him a clean bill of health it's a weird combo and it's unnecessary yeah. and i don't get it that was probably my least favorite scene too where um, Roger and Brianna were shooting things together. Yeah. And he has that weird long story about the squirrel and Scotland. Oh, I don't mind and... that. The Smokey the Bear versus no, Scruffy the Squirrel or whatever like the hell it was called. MVP. MVP. I'm going to give it to Claire. I liked... Uh, I just... She, it, was, it was a taste of the old Claire that I loved where mm -hmm. it was like, everyone else be damned. I'm going to do my shit and fuck all y'all. Yeah, me too. Yeah. And her excitement when she was leaning yeah. over that dead corpse talking to Marsley, trying to convince her. She said, yeah. this is a big deal. I can save lives. This guy I couldn't save. But, That's... like, if you watched that scene, like, you, she believes it. That's a good point. We haven't seen excited Claire in a while. Mm -hmm. She's basically just been coasting through yeah. this show for a long time. Yeah. Yeah. So that's it. That's it. That's weird. It's weird to like an episode. No, it's I nice. Almost, almost we like... deserve this. We had a rough go last episode. Yeah, yeah. But I, it will be really interesting to see everyone else's feedback because I know that there's a lot of Outlander fans that did not care for this episode at all, including friends of mine. I got a text from a friend of mine who said, so I guess Outlander is boring now. And another text from a friend who said, I don't know if I can keep watching the show Meanwhile, I was sitting there thinking, I'm so relieved that it's a good episode and Joe and I can talk about it on our podcast. Yeah, I mean, it, it is it is a weird dynamic. I, you know, I mean, I don't go on any of the other forums and stuff like you do, but mm -hmm. uh, I am curious to hear what, you know, quote, Outlander fan yeah. thought of this episode. Yeah. Let us know. Yeah, please let us know at Loinlander Podcast on Facebook or at Loinlander on Twitter or Loinlander at gmail.com. We love hearing from you. You know what? We really do. And uh, 
the nice thing about Loinlander in this past, I want to say, year, year and a half mm-hmm. or so, mm-hmm. is that we've really started to get some interesting engagement on our Facebook group. And, you know, I mean, I, I was alluding to this to one of our, our listeners today. It's like, you know, we don't do this. We're not in it for money or anything like that, like some other podcasts might be. But, uh, you know, I, I really like that our group is sort of a safe space for people that, that maybe don't want to call the show perfect. And, I mean, you're going to like it more than, than I do, for sure. But I like that we can have nice open discussions about it. And uh, and even true fans, yeah, LP, we've got some, like, good people who, have, who love the story but listen to our podcast. And even if they don't agree with us, they'll explain why they don't agree. And we love that, I too. I love it. I love when people write and be like, Joe, I thought you were wrong because of this and this yeah. and this. Yeah. But they're not, you know, and they're not being like, you're an idiot or anything like that. They're, they're, it's, it's a conversation. And you know what? It's a lot of fun. And it's one of the things that makes it fun for me to do this. So I just yeah. want to say thank you. Yeah. Thanks. And we'll talk to you next week. We will have we'll a We'll be week. a little bit delayed because we're yeah. away. So our podcast will probably be out on Wednesday or Thursday of next week. Probably Wednesday. Probably Wednesday, yeah. yeah. Uh, but anyway, the next week will be delayed. So right. uh, in, in the meantime, have a great week and uh, thanks for listening. Thanks for listening. Welcome to Loinlander, the most unofficial podcast on the internet, or anywhere. What kind of podcast is it? It's an Outlander podcast. Joe, we're going to be here all night. Yes, we are.